Welcome to Word of Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is February 3rd, 2021, and we're ready to begin our worship service. Let us begin with a word of prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you for bringing us together. As we know that our coming together precedes creation, so we thank you for this calling that we have received and the understanding that you have given us through the spirit of truth. We thank you for those who have called in. We pray for wisdom as we discuss the scriptures that are before us, the thoughts, the ideas. And we thank you, Father, for uh, this church, the opportunity to talk freely amongst ourselves. All of this we ask in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. So our normal course of study is Romans chapter 8. We are in verse uh, 30, oh, I guess it was 30, uh, 36 today. So if we're going to be aggressive, we might take two verses, 36 and 37. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> but before we get there, we'll take some time for Q&A. So, whatever your thoughts, questions, ideas, opinions, the floor is open. All right. Well, uh, I wanted to share some thoughts about condemnation while we're looking at Romans 8. We have uh, verse 1, which so... Uh, blatantly declares that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And um, we also know from John chapter 3, verse 18, that whoever whoever believes in him is not condemned. And whoever did, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And we know that condemnation is condemnation you were born with. If all, all humans born in Adam are born in condemnation, then nobody becomes condemned um, because of sinful behavior, as if they were, you know, a, a blank slate beforehand. And uh, but we also see, and this is the other verse I want to do, um, pull out. In First Timothy chapter four, um, I think I just lost it. First Timothy chapter four, yep. um, verse ten. Yeah, First Timothy four ten. For this, for to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. So with, with that, I think we've talked about this before, that there's, there's really an understanding that um, what we have here is an example of how Christ, because of the work that he has done, he basically earned the position of Savior. He earned the right to be the Savior of all people. And so the only people that are not going to be um, the only people that are going to be going to the lake of fire in the white throne judgment 
are going to be those who resist the Holy Spirit. So if, if we have that category of people who are resisting the Holy Spirit, then on the other side, we have either people who are believers or non-believers. And um, I think in, in terms of non-believers, they could be either incapable of understanding, either too young or um, have, a, have a mental um, challenge that does not enable them to fully understand what's going on. Um, or those who are in the process, those who are being are currently following the lead of the Holy Spirit toward the gospel. Would you agree with that? You want to add to that? Yeah, I, actually, everything you said, I agree with. Uh, I think from the standpoint of condemnation is uh, a part of everyone. Uh, everyone's experience, whether we know it or not. Right? This is what we call part of the bad news. The bad news is where God has condemned all. So remember, if you go to those three verses in Romans and five, you can you can find those three conditions that are part of the bad news for every single person. And it's uh, 17, 18, 19. So for a trespass of one man, that's Adam, what he did in the garden when he sinned, death reigned on that one man, through that one man. So, so what are we talking about? Spiritual death. I'm not talking about, and with its resulting physical death. Because that's the sentence. It's not just uh, that you're going to die spiritually or that you're just going to die physically. It is two things going on there. And literally, the Hebrew says, dying, you will die. So dying, spiritual death, the moment Adam ate the fruit, you will die physical death. He died 900 and some years later. So, same with us. We're born dead. And then 18, that's just one of the things. And 18 says, consequently, just as the trespass resulted in condemnation... For all people. Just this one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people. There it is. That's the one we're talking about. So always want to look at condemnation as a judgment from the justice of God. In other words, it's like a court when a verdict is handed down and that judge slams the gavel down. What that means is it's final. Right? That's it. This is the conclusion of this court. This is what it is. Bam, there it is. And that's what God did for the human race. He didn't just do that for Adam. He did it for the whole human race. So we're all born under condemnation. In other words, it is obviously an unfavorable judgment by God. And then the third one is 19. Just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners when it says made sinners constituted sinners right so essentially what happens there is because of adam's sin his disobedience we also receive a nature of rebellion of disobedience and that nature is what we call or what the scripture calls old man the sinful nature right that's what we inherit from adam 
We, we're born with this. It's not like, oh, you know, I'm just especially bad. That's why I sin. Or, no, you're born a sinner. So why you sin is because of the, of the fact that you were born a sinner. That's literally what it is. So, so when you have those three conditions, and there's another one too I could mention. We're unrighteous. And that's in Romans 3. Right? We're not going to go to that right now. but So that thought is how we want to see condemnation. Now, when we believe in Christ, and the Bible says we are justified freely by the grace that is in, you know, through Christ, that is God saying, okay, I have reviewed again your case, and because you believed in Christ, the righteousness of Christ has been imputed to your account, and that gavel comes down again, bang. And what is it? Justified forever. So that is a so condemn the reversal of condemnation is justification or receiving the righteousness of God. We are declared righteous. So I just want to make sure when we think about condemnation, that's how we ought to think about it. So you didn't how did you get condemned? We just talked about it. By one man, by the trespass of one man, it resulted in condemnation for all. And so that's, I don't think we should blame ourselves because we're condemned. I don't think it's, we were born that way. What other choice did we have? Could we have made ourselves a better choice? No, we didn't have a choice. We were born in this state. So, uh, and all three of those, same, same situation. It's in nature, spiritually dead, and all that. So now, when we read, and there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because it's been reversed. The judgment of God now is that we have the righteousness of Christ, and we are justified. So I'm going to go over to the verse you mentioned in Timothy. 1 Timothy 4. I'd like to read 9 and 10. I always read 9 and 10 together in these, these verses. So it says it this way. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Now, if I said that, people would say, well, Doug said that. So he's telling us this. We, we better be on guard because Doug could be deceiving us. Right? But guess what? The scripture tells it for me. I, I don't have to even say it. Okay, so listen here. This is what the scripture says. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. So as you said, I agree. Everything, uh, all the circumstances of what you said in terms of uh, he's the, he earned the right, Christ earned the right to become our Savior. How did he do it? Well, he was judged for every sin we would ever commit in our lives, all of our personal sins. They were never imputed to us for judgment. Remember, they were imputed to Christ on the cross and judged. And then he lived a righteous life, we said, right? He never sinned. He obeyed the law. He did everything perfect before the Father. He fulfilled the Father's plan. And then, so because of, he earned that righteousness as a man, God, 
takes that righteousness and imputes it to us when we put our faith in Christ. That's all right there in Romans 3. So, so this is uh, when it says he is the Savior. He earned the right, as you said, to be the Savior. It wasn't that we think he's the Savior or we hope he's the Savior. He's the only representative for mankind before God. That's acceptable. That's approved by God the Father. He's the only one. There's no other that is in heaven. He's in heaven right now at the right hand of the Father. Approved. The right hand means the place of highest honor. So Christ is our only human representative. He's the Savior of all mankind. Whether you were in the Old Testament, whenever you were born, there is no other alternative. So, as you mentioned, so it, a way, the only way a person could be lost, the only way, is for them to refuse to believe in Jesus Christ. Now, of course, there are a lot of ways you can refuse to believe. If the Holy Spirit is trying to, you know, teach you who God is, you can say, no, I don't believe it. Uh-uh, no way. He, he may be trying to, or you know, get you to come to the knowledge of who God is. If you reject at that point, well, you don't even want to hear anything about who Jesus Christ is. You've rejected the Holy Spirit. It's leading you to Christ. Same, same scenario. You have re- ten, that's tantamount to rejecting Christ. Uh, if, if that is the case, you would refuse to believe. Um, and in the other case of children that you mentioned, I agree wholeheartedly there. If a person doesn't have the mental capacity, they're limited in some way, or uh, they just are too young to understand, and, and they die for some reason, they are absent from the body and present with the Lord. How do we? How come they're saved? Well, God is the Savior of all men. They didn't refuse. The whole point is the refusal. And where do we get the refusal from? You can just read John three sixteen through eighteen and verse thirty six. It says just what you already quoted. And the reason why a person is not saved is because they have not believed in the name of the only begotten, the Son of God. That's the condemnation is it remains to be on them. It was already on them. It just stays there. So I agree wholeheartedly with those verses. In fact, this is a key verse because it helps us understand that one point that Christ died for everybody, not just people who like him, not just people who will believe, who would believe. He died for every single person, no exceptions. He's the savior of all. He did the work. He earned the right. And yes, he's the savior of all people. So these are it, 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 when we're talking unlimited atonement, it reminds me of 1 John 2, 2, which says, and he is the propitiation or the atonement for our sins. Now when he says our sins, he's talking about believers. But not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. So when you think about that, there's two categories, just like we see two categories here. It is believers and the rest of the world. Well, Christ is the satisfaction of the justice of God for all of those sins. So, yeah, I see, I see th- this verse is very pivotal in us 
uh, understanding unlimited atonement. So I'll pause. Yeah, I think, thank you very much. I, I was going to bring up First John 2-2. Um, I'm glad you brought that up. That, that basically explains, you know, why he has that right in First Timothy 4-10. And, yeah, I, I should have included verse 9 in there. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, verse nine. Yeah, that's good. good. Yeah, I mean, I I'm glad for you to bring these verses out. Why? Because it just reminds us how complete our salvation is. For instance, you know, God thought about it, planned it, right? It's not like he these things are happenstance or, you know, he he came up with some of it, but then there were exigencies where he had to come up with other parts of it. No, he he knew this from you know from uh, the foundation of the world, how he was going to manage this, even the bad news, the good news. I like that verse in Romans eleven. It is, I mean, this verse is so good. I mean, I remember I was talking to some Calvinists, and this this is the verse. That seemed to give them pause. And it's uh, Romans 11. Uh, here it is. Uh, verse 32. So it says. For God has bound everyone over to disobedience. So now look at this. This is exactly what we just finished saying. Now people don't relate it that way. There, Some people say. Well you know it was Adam's fault. And, you know, because of what Adam did, and all of that's true, literally speaking, but really, it was the plan of God. God didn't have to condemn everybody in Adam. That was his choice to do that. He set it up that way. So that when Adam sinned, and then there was going to be progeny from Adam, that every person born in Adam would become a sinner like Adam. And that's literally what we read in Romans, right? So here it is. Who, who makes it so? Not Adam. Adam didn't design that. God did. And here's the verse that says so. Some people get a little edgy when you talk about it. What are you saying? Are you saying God is the author of sin? I'm not saying that at all. It was the free will choice of Adam that chose to sin, right? It wasn't God. But God gave him the choice, did he not? And God is the one who said, if he does sin, I'm going to make sure that everyone born in him is a sinner. That's God. He's, here it is again in Romans eleven thirty two, For God has bound everyone over to disobedience. Now, you have to explain what that means. It means that everyone is born a sinner. And I call it simply the bad news. <laughs> It's good news and there's bad news. Well, this is the bad news for the human race. That's where we are. We all began as sinners, and then. But why did he do it? Like, what what, what was his point in doing it? Is he is he just misogynistic? He wants us to suffer. No. So that he may have mercy on them all. I love it. This is a plan, right? God is not saying, "Hey, well, let me just do this and." And then I'll figure it out later. No, he had a plan in all of this. And then, you know, when it says that we can have mercy on all, he's not a respecter of persons, which is good, you know. He doesn't say, well, you know, that person was born on that side of the track and he had wealth and he had this, so we're going to have to treat him a little different. 
God says everybody is bound over to disobedience so that he can have mercy on them all. In other words, it's going to be even-handed. There's no two ways of salvation. There's no, uh, well, some people have all these things that they have added. But it's just one way of salvation. That's it. And he could have mercy. Mercy is grace on all of them. He does. He paid for every sin of every person without exception. And that, that's grace. So, uh, Romans 11.32 is wisdom. That's what the next verse says. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. That's, that's what that is. We call it the bad news, good news, but it's wisdom. I'll pause. I just want to uh, add quickly that uh, one of my favorite verses... Uh, it's uh, Ephesians chapter 1, 7 and 8. It says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. That grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he, he didn't make a mistake. Uh, he didn't change his mind when we who were born in sin, he did with all wisdom and understanding. Absolutely. So it, it wasn't a mistake. It was in the plan of God all along. Absolutely. And he certainly didn't make a mistake. Yeah, that's, that's an excellent verse. Uh, I love it. In fact, the whole Ephesians chapter 1 is, uh, I should say it this way, out of this world and, and the way he has presented this and who we are. And so, you know, there's, it's interesting to note when we look at those verses, those verses are dealing with those of us who were born in sin. Right? Now, if you go to Ephesians 2, it says, uh, let me just read it real quick. Oh, we got a couple minutes. Oh, okay, we're, we're, we're winding down. So it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit of, who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, right? So this is all what we just said about the bad news. We're in the same boat, right? Even though we are called and, you know, God chose us in Christ before the creation and all of that, still, this is our experience. We're born in Adam, born dead, unrighteous, condemned, you know, sin nature. You know, all of that is our experience. So when we read Romans, no, I'm sorry, when we, when we read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, and God is introducing this new creation, talking about what he did for us, he, 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 like it says in verse 4, he chose us in him before the creation of the world, he verse 5, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. So we are a different category. So what God does for us to let us know 
that we also have redemption through his blood. Same thing, the same salvation package that everybody else has, we have. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, and of course with the riches of his grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom. So even though he, he, he found us there, that is who we are. He saw us before that. See, this is, this is where he's saying, you have salvation in Christ as well. You have forgiveness of sins in Christ. You have, now, for, is this really a verse for all mankind? No, because he's already stated how that's true for all mankind. This, these verses specifically deal with us. That's, that's the context. Specifically. So what about our salvation? Did God just save us from the moment we're born? No. <laughs> we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins through, through Jesus Christ. So we, we have that as well. So I'll pause. All right, sounds like, you know what well, we... thanks for adding that. Yeah. Thanks for adding that, Fred. Yeah, we... I just have one parting statement. Oh, go right ahead. I was going to say, because if not, we would go right on into Romans. Where... Go right ahead, Dwayne. Yeah, I, I, want us, I want us to go right into Romans. I just wanted to mention that if anybody has any feedback about the website, please go ahead and um, you know, call me or email me or whatever. Uh, at, at uh, whatever is convenient, we'll do that. So I hope everybody had a chance to look at the website um, and uh, let me know what you think. So go ahead, Jen, uh, Doug. Yeah, actually, um, I'm glad you mentioned that because um, you know I have given some homework out, and uh, I'm sure no one has con contacted me and said, "Oh, wait a minute, how do I do that homework?" Well, well, I shouldn't say that. Me and Fred talked about it. But um, the homework was that you are to go to the website, begin to familiarize yourself with it so that you can understand what's there, how, how to navigate. And, you know, it is also good to help others to say, oh, you know, I know there's something on the website that could help you, either written or whether it be, you know, something you listen to and hear. So, in any case, I'm not going to, it was only a joke, the homework thing, but. Well, well, the joke, the joke is, uh, just so everybody knows, that uh, I have limited intelligence, so I needed a Stop. tutorial personally <laughs> to navigate through the website. No, Alrighty. not, a, not at all. No, it is, hey, once you know it. Hey, it's under your belt, right? No, it, it's no shame in asking, you know, how to how to navigate the site. That is, in fact, that's what we the kind of feedback we like is to understand. Maybe there was something that should be here. And actually, there are some things from my conversation with Fred Dwight that I will uh, talk to you about later that I want to enhance. So uh, it's simple, but all right, great. Yeah, so we'll, I have some feedback, by the way. So, uh, for the others... I have a feedback. Oh, go right ahead, Dave. Thank you. But the dog ate mine. Oh, gosh. <laughs> the, so, the electronic dog ate your homework. Is that right? <laughs> That's right. 
Noted. Noted. Okay, Dave, we got you. The, the dog, the dog okay. ate your homework. Okay. So we're going to give you another week. Okay, another week. Well, actually, uh, another okay. couple of days. We're not going to take a whole week. Uh, I, I'm, I'm encouraging everyone to explore the site, see what's on there. Uh, listen to some sermons so you could see, you know, there's Q&A information, there's documents. Uh, and look at the design. You know, if it makes sense to you, that's great. If it doesn't, then please let us know. Those are the things we're interested in, you know, to tr try to understand so we can make it better. And, and uh, thanks for mentioning that, Dwight. And thank you guys for the questions. We're going to get right into Romans. You should have notes. Um, I'm pulling mine up as we speak in Romans chapter 8 verses 36 and 37 we'll see how far we get so Romans 8 36 and 37 says as it is written for your sake we face death all day long we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And in your notes, as we face the rigors of warfare in this world, we have the blessed assurance of an abiding hope in Christ. We are aware that this life is temporary and cannot be compared with our eternal life. We might as well make the most of the time we have on this earth in Christ to be exalted in our bodies whether by life or by death, says Philippians 1.20. So that's the thought, is since we're here, uh, this is what God has chosen for us, let's make the most of it. Let, let us, and that does, doesn't mean oh, work hard, I'm talking on a spiritual level, and that is allow Christ to be magnified, exalted in our bodies, according to what Philippians 1 says. The part I let, well, actually, I didn't leave it out, whether by life or by death. And that is important for us to note because we're on the battlefield. So we're going to look at these two verses. I think they go together. And really, verse 35 is included in that. Let's dig in a little bit. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. So Paul quotes from Psalm 44:22 here. This is this is verbatim. He literally is quoting from a psalm. And if you look at if you were to go to the context of Psalm 44:22, it is one of those psalms where uh, Israel is being persecuted and on this earth and it almost seems that the uh, rigor of it all is far more than they could bear. So what they are doing is they're crying out to God, how long is this going to go on, Lord? Hopefully, you, you know, don't turn your face away from us. And, you know, these are things that are, are said in Psalm 44, 22. So what Paul picks picks up is that, hey, it, it's very similar to that for us. Literally, we are on the battlefield. We are going to be persecuted in this world. 
well, the scripture says, for those who live godly in Christ Jesus, they will suffer persecution. Christ said things like, if any man comes after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. Well, Christ took up his cross and it led, and when we say take up your cross, that's death. That's what that means. Christ died, literally. But his death uh, was parlayed into something that God was able to use as a backdrop to judge our sins in Christ and so forth. But from the world's perspective, they were killing Christ because they hated him. They persecuted him. And what did he do? What was the crime? All he did was good. He healed the sick. He cast out devils. He opened the eyes of the blind. Uh, I could go on all the things. John says I, all the things he did, I can't even write them all down. There's not enough books that contain all the miraculous things that we saw. This, and, and this is the one you want to kill? This is the world. This is, we're on, on Sunday, uh, a scripture that talks about, well, don't be surprised about you being persecuted because the reason is, is because they, they hate me and you're following after me, so don't be surprised that you're going to get persecuted. So we know there's trouble in this world. We know that there's persecution for us. And I hate to think when it comes to, you know, people coming to Christ that they think, oh, every, once I make that decision, everything in my life is just going to be fine. I won't have to ever worry about any problems again. Uh, we know that's not true. And all we have to do is look in Scripture and see what's going on. But, you know, if we're suffering, I don't want to make it sound bad, but if we're suffering, having the understanding of why we're suffering, is a big, a big deal. So this is why I say, even though we know we're suffering, we're going through these terrible uh, rigors of warfare, we have that blessed assurance and abiding hope. Because we know that this is it's not all to the end. This world is not all there is to it. So this is what's good about it. And, and why he quotes Psalm uh, 44.22 is that um, Israel went through the same suffering and other people who were in the plan of God also went through the same suffering that is not particular to the church it is particular to the fact that this is this world so let's move on in our notes as we will cover more I'm sure point B we're on the battlefield right so we ought to remember that this is not our home. This, I know this is hard because this is all we've ever experienced. This is like trying to tell a fish, water is not your home, right? The fish says, wait a minute, this is, this is every, I've only known the water. How, how can you tell me the water is not my home? Well, this is what God is, through the spirit of truth, um, asking us to comprehend that what he has done, this is the plan, and this is these are the results of the plan. Jesus says, I have chosen you out of this world. When did he do that? Well, he's picking up from the Father who chose us before the creation of the world. It's literally how we, the reason why we're not of this world is because of that choice. 
So we're on the battlefield, but that means we don't belong down here. I know it just looks like we do. I understand that. But really, the issue is we don't belong down here. Now, that's hard to say. I think we were talking about that on Sunday. But the reality is that is not who we are anymore once we come to the knowledge of the truth. Point C, we're moving forward. The world has always hated the people of God. And this is what I was saying. It's not just uh, a part of our experience that there's going to be hatred in the world. It was a part of the experience of the people of God from Cain to Israel's persecutions. to I mean, even to Noah. He was mocked and maligned in his day. But Cain, remember, he killed Abel, his brother. If I keep talking about that, I'm going to say Cable. <laughs> But it's Cain, it's Abel. So Cain killed his brother, and it was because he was righteous, right? So there's always been this friction in the world where, you know, God had his people trying to execute his plan, and Satan was there on the other side trying to thwart God's plans, right? So there was always this friction between that. So, so we had Cain... Killing Abel, we had Israel being persecuted. Uh, we could talk about the plagues, uh, the people of Israel. When God, when Satan saw it was going to come through Israel, what did he do? He persecuted Israel. Or, or we could talk about our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, how the world hated him. And there was one scripture, we haven't gotten to it yet, in John, where it says, they hated me without cause. We're going to dig into that, and, and that's going to be fun. But the idea is they didn't even realize the it was a supernatural hatred that was being imposed, and they were pawns. They didn't realize why. I mean, they were saying things that were uh, nonsensical. Oh, so he just, you know, if we don't stop this man, everyone will believe in him. So what are we going to do? We're going to have to kill him. That's what they said. I mean, come on. Really? You're going to kill him? These are the Jewish leaders. Not just people talking on in the street somewhere. These are the leaders of Jerusalem. Right? This is they said, he's going to have to die. That's what they said. That's persecution. Christ, And then they hung him on a cross. Pilate couldn't find anything wrong with him. He says, I, you brought me this guy. You want me to kill him? I don't have any, I don't see anything that he did that was worthy of death. They said, kill him anyway. Well, well wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. I can't kill him just because you said kill him. Uh, they said, well, Pilate said, I, I got it. Uh, according to your Passover, I'm gonna, there's a custom we have where I can release a prisoner to you and, and then that'll wash my hands up. So who do you want me to release to you? Jesus or Barabbas? Now, Barabbas was a thief, a murderer. <laughs> he was all that. Or this person who was called to Christ. They said, give us Barabbas, crucify. So, and then, so, so he said, okay, I'm going to release Barabbas to you. And okay, that's what you want. So then he said, well, what should I do with this one? Crucify him. Why? What has he done? He hasn't done anything. I don't find. So he brought out water, a basin, and he says, you know what? I'm, I'm going to have to wash my hands. And he washed his hands in front of him, symbolizing that, look. His death is not on me. I, I don't see anything wrong with this person. They said, crucify him anyway. 
this is persecution. This is Christ presenting himself on, and he as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep to be slaughtered. That was literally he presented himself in this world. And this is the thought. That's us as well. So persecution is going to be a part of our experience in this world. In this world, Jesus says, you will have trouble. So I don't, I don't want to make it sound dark. I, I'm, I'm trying not to, but I'm trying to make it sound realistic of what's really going on here. So then you have, after Christ, the church was persecuted, right? Christ, the direction of God, went to the church. And what happened to the church? More persecution. All the apostles were persecuted. And then what's going to happen after the church? Tribulation. More persecution for the people of God. Even though the church is not here, the people of God are. And what happens to them? Persecution. Terrible. Tremendous bloodshed and murder. We read about that in Revelation. So this is not strange to the people in this age. I hope people would understand that. This is what is this is what Paul is saying, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. When he says we face death all day long, it means we're in danger of death all the time. We're we're living as it were behind enemy lines. So we're in danger all the time. And we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And that's literally how the world sees us. They see us as innocent. And we are, uh, they, they don't understand who we are, but in them there's a motivation for destruction when it comes to this point. So this is the idea. So point D, uh, our service here is likened to military service. There's a couple scriptures to read there. 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4. Let's look at it real quick. 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4, it says, Join with me, this is the Apostle Paul again, in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. I don't have to say anything else. That verse says it. Paul's saying, this, we're in the world. Now, of course, we don't send, in this country anyway, we don't send children out to battle. So that means... You may be a child. When I say a child, I'm not saying physically a child, but uh, spiritually speaking, we have a maturation process as well. So you could be a child as a babe in Christ. But as long as you're a babe in Christ, you may not understand that this is our calling and this is our responsibility. This is the hope uh, uh, and so forth. You may not get all that. So you may not realize you're in a battle and all of that. Right? So all of, so, so, but notice, he's saying, join with me in suffering. Well, what is he saying? He's, he's trying to bring us together a, around this reality that we're living in the world and we're serving Christ, right? Like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Now notice, it's a military analogy. And so we think about the military. The military goes into a foreign country and serves, right? It, but the military could suffer. Right? There could be a tremendous loss of life, limb, 
It could be loss of freedom. You could lose the war and become a slave. You could be killed. I mean, there's all kinds of things that happen in the military, right? right? Under war circumstances. But he's given us an analogy because that is the tenor of what is before us, literally. We just, if we're children, we don't understand that. We think, oh, everything is fine. Yeah, I'm not, no problem. Yeah, I believed in Christ. Uh, yeah. But as you continue to learn of him and learn what the plan is for your life, what the calling is, you come to understand that, yeah, you're, you're in a battle. That's what's going on. That's how it's, that's what's happening for you. So then, so, so that's what he's saying. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. That's a great analogy, a great metaphor for us to understand that we really don't belong here, but God has put us here to serve him. And it's sort of like what I was saying in the opening, right, is that we might as well, since we're here, we might as well make the most of it. Then go to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, chapter 10 says, and this is again uh, 3 and 4, he says, for though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. So again, it is a military analogy, right? It's the same thing, waging war. We are in the world, we're in a battle. However, he's saying, we don't have the same type of warfare that the world has. So what do we have? Verse 4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. So we don't have M16s, AK-47s, bombs, you know, bullets, all that. That's not how we fight. We have a different method of how we fight in this world. So just be aware of what the weapons are. We're going to get get to that. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So that that's powerful, what we have. It's just that it's not conventional weapons. We should know that's how. So if we go to what it, what it, how we fight, we just want to go to continue this thought. We're going to go to Ephesians six ten through twelve. Uh, this is really Bible study today. We're going through some some scriptures. Ephesians six ten through twelve says, "Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power." So here, so this is not what children are. Remember, we said we don't send children out to battle. This is people who are out to battle. Here, they're strong in the Lord. They're they're grown up. They're mature, uh, right? They they they're adults in the Christian life. They're not children, but in His mighty power. So, what do we do? Put on the full armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. So, remember, uh, verse twelve. Here, here's our struggle. Right? Is not against flesh and blood. So it's not about people that we're fighting. We're not going out to Iraq or some other place where there's lots of fighting, there's a battlefield. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. We're not here to harm people. We're not here to hurt and bomb and destroy people. It, it is not that kind of fight. 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So in this, what's our time? Oh, good, we got, we got about a good 15 minutes. So all of that is to say angelic forces, angelic forces, uh, when it talks about rulers against rulers and authorities, against powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil, that's angels. So we're talking about Satan and his, his demonic forces. That's who we are literally fighting. Now, when you grow up, you learn all the schemes or the doctrines of demons. You get to understand how he operates and how he's leading people astray. And God has put you in place to speak the truth in love and so forth. So, so it, we're literally not fighting people. Listen, the people that are here, Christ died for. They're redeemable. We're not to rough them up when it comes to whatever we're trying to teach, whether it be the gospel or anything else. It is their choice to believe. It is literally their choice. We want to present the information so that they can make a proper decision. Uh, we, we can help any, at any point that, we, that they have questions or need clarification or anything. But it is their choice. We have to learn, not only, uh, when I say learn, because people don't give people the respect to make their own choice. Often. They feel coerced and under pressure and all these things. That is not our job. So, listen, first of all, it's we're on the battlefield. Our, our fight is not with flesh and blood. So, those two things are important to note. So, point F to me is key. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. So here's, this is Jesus when he sent out the 70 and so forth, right? This is what he said to them. He said, therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. That's Matthew 10, 16. Look at our shrewd as snakes, meaning we have to partner with them. We have to under, help them understand um, what the gospel is. God has a plan. And we, we have to be smart about it. If we just went in there and just heavily heavily handed, you know, clobbered people with the Bible, that would be wrong. But we have to teach. It is our job to teach. But being as innocent as doves means we mean them no harm. I mean, really, we, we're, we're not trying to coerce them or rope them into something. Literally, innocent as doves. Our motives are pure. All we want for them is the very best that God has to offer. That's it. We, we, we don't want their money. We don't want, the, we don't want to use them in any way. We don't want to manipulate them. Innocent as doves. Now, think about it. If you have any of those things in your heart, you want to get rid of them. That's that's not what God will have you to be manipulating people, right? Coercing people against their will. That is not what God will have you to be. So we're going to move on. So we know what it means as it is written for for your sake. We face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. That's our sojourn in this world. 
unfortunately. And I could add one last verse to that. That's Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Let's read it down here. Verses 29 and 30. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. So there it is. There's two things. Yeah, you believed in him. Yeah. But it's been granted. So it's a privilege to serve Christ. It's, it is the way we can say to Christ, I love you back for all that you've done for me. I, I respect what you've done. I love what you've done on my behalf. It is to be able to enter into the sufferings of Christ. In other words, to walk in his steps. And then it says in verse 30, Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Paul was suffering for Christ. The Philippians were also suffering for Christ. And why were they suffering? They were going through the same struggle Paul had, which was the persecution because of the message that he brought. Same thing with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's keep going. Verse 30 of 36, that is. No, it says, in all these things, I'm back to the notes, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So when I say in all these things, what things are we talking about? What things in all these things? What things? Romans 8 and 35. Here are the things that he's talking about. Um, let's see. It says, trouble, this is 835, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger of sword. All of those things are possibilities for us in this world. Uh, I, 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 honestly, I am not saying these things to scare anyone. But this is part of what can happen in this world. And if these things happen, don't be all upset that this thing happened to you. It, it's possible. Trouble, hardship, persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger of sword. Now, when we covered all these things, we saw that all that happened to the Apostle Paul. All of it. We read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and he... Literally, he went through all of those things and he had to suffer those things. And he understood that those things were a part of the sojourn that God had called him to in this world. He may not call us to all of that. He may call, Maybe the trouble that we have may be more mental than physical. We don't have armies looking for us or people who are sworn that they're going to kill us and we may not have that, but we may have other forms of persecution than what, you know, Paul, the Apostle Paul experienced. But literally, all of this is on the table, just so we know it is possible. So I'm not ruling it out, but just to note. Uh, so that's what things he's talking about. But he's saying, in all these things, uh, we are more than conquerors. We're not just conquerors. We didn't just meet the challenge that is before us. We are more 
than cop conquerors. We're we exceed that. We're super abound in uh, power over the circumstance. So more than conquerors, and I I gave you the Greek word here for your notes. And you can just understand that that's what it means when it says more than conquerors. It means it means to vanquish beyond. So that huper means above and beyond, right? And so it's it's literally beyond, or to gain a decisive victory, or it's just translated more than conqueror, right? That you can conquer, either it's more than just conqueror. You defeat them. Uh, in a sense where things, it's not even an even battle. It's just way out of proportion in terms of what you have conquered. Right? So point number C, none of those things, right? And when you say those things that we read about earlier, you know, those things again, uh, which is trouble, hardship, persecution, danger of sword. Sword means war, warfare. You could die, literally. So, uh, so, so here, none of those things can conquer us. None. So, in other words, we exceed what is needed to conquer. Right? God gave us even more power than what we needed in this in this area. This is what Paul is saying. He's more than persuaded that we have more than enough power. Point D. What is the source of our superior power? What is it? It is through him who loved us. It's right there in the verse. right? We're not conquerors because we're especially strong. Like it, we read in Ephesians, put on the, be strong in, in the Lord, right? And put on, you know, his armor. Right? It's not us in particular. We're not powerful, you know, when it comes to this. It is because of our relationship with God that we have power and we are in the father's plan right this is the thought it's through him who loved us who lo who's this he's talking about he's talking about the father and we have been seeing this all through romans chapter 8 right uh, who is he that condemns right the father is the one who justified he's the one who sent christ right it's his plan that's why uh, all things were created in the first place it's because of his marvelous plan. And so is there something that can stop his plan, that can squelch his plan, that can slow his plan? All power is given unto him right? when it comes to this. So as I said in point D, what's the source of the superior power? It's through him, the Father, who loved us. Loved us is his motivation to effect this plan in the world. It's not just like the world, God created the world, and then he decided, hey, you know what? What would be good for this world would be if I had a plan. <laughs> no, it's not that at all. He had the plan, and as a result of him having the plan, he created all things. So, of course, he's able to complete it. We're talking about the one who created all things. So the power comes from the Father's plan, or just like we already covered in detail, the love of Christ. The Father's love of Christ is uh, tantamount to saying his eternal purpose. That's what it's like saying. The Father loved Christ right, from eternity past. 
And what does that mean? That means he saw this whole plan unfolding in Christ to bring many sons into glory, that we might be conformed to the image of his son. We were predestined from that point of, point of view. So point E, the power comes from the Father's plan, as we just discussed, which is the love of Christ. And we could say this two ways, and this is literal, just literal, common spiritual sense, right? God will move heaven and earth to fulfill his plan. The power, we don't have to worry. We got the Father who planned it, the Son who executed his part and stands as the focal point, and we have God the Holy Spirit who is the motivator and enlightening person of God who is here in the world. So God, as I said, he will move heaven and earth. I say that because that's a common phrase that people think you would, that is basically to say you will do anything, move heaven and earth. Well, point two is just note God created the heavens and the earth to fulfill his eternal purpose, right? Really, that's what happened. He created heaven and earth, and he'll do anything to, to effect his plan. Nothing will stop his plan. Nothing. There is nothing. So point F. So here's where I want to say, just note, all of this is possible for us in this world. All of this that we talked about. Okay, what is it? Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, or danger of sort. It's all possible. And why do I say it? Because I don't want to sugarcoat anything. I want to say it just as it is. And, and unfortunately, there are a lot of people today saying what is the opposite. Oh, no, if you believe in Christ, you should be rich. All your bills should be paid. You shouldn't have any maladies or sicknesses either. In fact, all you got to do is claim it and you will be healed. right? And your life would just be just fabulous. You'd just be able to fly around on jets and, and not have to worry. You'll be, that's not the truth. And I'm not trying to make it sound bad, but it's not that. It's certainly not that. And the bad is relative because we know what the suffering is about. We know that we are those who are chosen in him. And we have a, a, this hope, of the hope of our calling. All of that is possible for us. So when we put that in perspective, we realize uh, this, suffer this suffering is only for a time. It's just for a short time. While we're here, as I said, let's make the most of it. So last point to think about. Our destiny is sure. So, really? It, it is. I mean, the power is more than sufficient to conquer. What do I mean? Is does it mean that every time you get in trouble, then God's going to get you out of it? No, that's not what I'm saying. You may have to go through it, whether it be hardship, persecution, famine, naked. You may have to go through death. God may, that may be a part that he is called for you, is to die on the battlefield. In fact, whether we die on well, the battlefield is, is up to us and our understanding. But whether we die on the battlefield or not, we're going to die. All of us are leaving here. That's for sure. And there's no sugarcoating that. It is appointed unto man once to die. That's what the Bible says. And we know that we're going to die. So we might as well give our lives. 
That's why I like this verse in 1 Corinthians 15 to close with. So we might as well go ahead and give yourselves, give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. That's important because we, we know we're working for the Father in His plan. We, we know our work is not only uh, meaningful, but it is the highest purpose that there is in the universe. There is no higher purpose than what God has called us to, because that is the reason why all things exist in the first place. So we have to make up our minds to decide that this is what how we want to live our lives. We have to make decisions so that our priorities, scale of values, and all those things that we we have aligned uh, our time to and given our, our time to that we can change whatever those things are so that God, as it says earlier, can be Christ can be fully manifest or exalted in our bodies, whether we live or whether we die. So we're going to have to close, but next week we got a couple more verses. Uh, I'll just read them and then we'll close with that. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We're going to talk about that next week. Please join. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father. What a privilege it is, as you have said, not only to believe in Christ, but we have been granted the serving and the giving of ourselves in suffering for Christ. And we recognize that our lives here are temporary. There's death all around us all the time. But we know that not one of us will leave here unless you see fit to let it happen. So we trust whatever happens is in your hands. And we might as well give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. And you'll call us home. Or you'll come and to receive us so that where we are, uh, there, where you are, we will be. Father, we thank you for those who have joined our study. We thank you for this opportunity where we're able to talk about these important matters. Thank you for the scriptures that you've preserved for us. All of this we ask in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for his sake. Amen. 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 Amen.